Coming to you from the Sherpa Chalet at the top of beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's a special episode of Too Many Podcasts. I'm Jim the Podcast Sherpa, and today it's a special episode where I get to speak with people from the entertainment industry. So get yourself an aisle seat, pop up some popcorn, and get a cold drink ready, and sit back. Don't crunch too loud, or else you'll miss the interview from the Sherpa Screening Room. Viva la Sherpa-lution, everybody. Hey, welcome back to the Sherpa Screening Room, a production of Too Many Podcasts. And it's me, Jim the Podcast Sherpa. We've got a really great guest this week. He's a super nice guy, and I had a lot of fun speaking with him. His name is Mike Kaplan, and he's a stand-up comic with a brand new album coming out called AKA, and we'll be discussing that, amongst other things. But before we get to that, today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible, and you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Now, before we get into the interview with Mike, he's got a little bit of a public service announcement to make, courtesy of his new album. Before I get started, I'd like to say, please go to the bathroom if you have to go to the bathroom. That's not a joke. That's just for your body. For your mind, for your spirit, just be nice to yourself. You know, we all love, it's our favorite thing, going to the bathroom, right? When you have to go to the bathroom, it's important. So go to the bathroom if you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I like to start off by talking about the bathroom because it's something that I think can unite us in times when there's so many things that can divide us, you know? There's like politics and religion and how you feel about the band Nickelback, but bathrooms... <laughs> Bathrooms really bring us together. We all agree, we all love them, we all need them. You might be thinking, but aren't there controversies over who can use what bathroom? Maybe, but here's my solution, it's pretty simple. Uh, first thing I would say, just uh, use whatever restroom that makes you feel safe and secure and comfortable. And secondly, uh, nobody assault anybody. And I feel like those things can go pretty easily together, you know? And if you must assault someone, and you mustn't, but if you must, I would say to find someone who also wants to assault someone, and then you guys have fun together, you know? Got a lot in common. My solution is one bathroom for assault only. Do you understand? Just have it be like Fight Club in there, you know? Hello, Rebels. My guest is a comedian, an actor, and a podcaster. He's been on The Late Show with David Letterman. He's been on The Tonight Show, Late Night with Seth Meyers. He's been on The Late Late Show with James Corden. He came in fifth place in Last Comic Standing, and also it was a quarterfinalist in America's Got Talent. The guy's definitely got talent, and he can definitely make you laugh. And he's got an upcoming album to be released very soon. It's called AKA All Killing Aside. He's a comic, he's a writer, he's a podcaster, he's been a pro wrestler, a CPA, and he's been the mayor of Skippy <laughs> for two terms. I think that covers it. His name is Mike Kaplan. Mike, how you doing? Uh, great. Thank you so much for having me on the show and doing all that research. That was extensive. So everything that I've done and many things that I haven't. That's right. Well, I figure nobody's going to research it, so we're good. Oh, sure, sure. Rest. I like the idea of anybody could be a wrestler and an accountant. I'm sure it's been done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. You can probably come up with a good name as a wrestling accountant, too, I imagine. Oh, sure. Yeah. The the debitor. Something like that. <laughs> you know what? Back in the 90s, there was a wrestler named Erwin R. Scheisser, IRS. And his wow. finishing move was the write-off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, then uh, it's we've it's already taken care of. <laughs> he used to bring this briefcase to the ring, and he would get on the mic and call people a bunch of tax cheats, and he would hit people over the head with the briefcase. Wow. And uh, was that was was he popular? Was he successful? That's uh, it sounds like really something. <laughs> He did stick around for a while, so I guess it must have worked for him. Hey, anything for a gimmick, right? Oh, yeah. First thing I need to discuss with you is your name. Sure. Uh, your last name, Kaplan. Did people ever presume that you were related to comedian Gabe Kaplan? Uh, I can't speak to what people experienced on the inside, but I can tell you that uh, depending on you know, when it was and who and you know, sort of what generation people are from. There's uh, certainly, I can't tell you how many times, it's not like all the time, but certainly a good enough number that I don't know what it is of people asking me that and me saying, I don't think so. And then, of course, we have Mike, which most people would say, well, what's wrong with Mike? But your spelling oh, of sure. it is M-Y-Q. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I like to think, uh, what's what's right with Mike? You know, I try to focus on the positives. But uh, I I was a kid uh, when Prince changed his name to a symbol uh, in the 90s. And I was like, that guy is weird and cool. Uh, I'm going to do something like that. And so I just, you know, I, I just told my friends, I'm like, that's what I'm doing. And then we had a nice time. I went to this like, you know, artsy summer camp with other kind of like, you know, socially outcast, misfit, you know, kind of weirdo hip types. And uh, everybody was like, yeah, pretty great. And then Prince changes his name back because it was legal copyright based, uh, you know, uh, methodology that he couldn't reveal previously. And I was like, oh, he's he's Prince again. And I'm I'm still this. So I'm I'm here and alone and weird now. But uh, it's working. It's working for me. I liked it. You know, if uh, at this point. I feel like people are like, why, why still use it? I was like, well, you know, it's now it's just inertia. I'm, uh, I'm happy to not do anything and continue moving forward in life with, uh, you know, what is, what is a name? Uh, you know, I, my girlfriend read, uh, some, some of the Bible the other day and she was like, you know, in the old Testament, here's a weird name I found Dan, <laughs> you know, amongst all of the, uh, Abrahams and, uh, Various, you know, Methuselah, uh, it's like, oh, Dan, the tribe of Dan, you know, so depending when and where you are, uh, weird is very relative. And uh, I'm that that is where it came from and where it is today. You could have also been the comedian formerly known as Mike in M.I.K.E. as well. For sure. I mean, I'm I'm happy to like that. That's just giving people more of a mouthful. Like, so I'm I'm happy to have at least efficiently shortened the number of keystrokes you need to search for me or look for any of my social media. So I'm sort of streamlining aerodynamic uh, numbers wise, quantity wise, at least. So when you were a kid growing up, were you the class clown? I would say that I was not the class clown. Uh, I was, I'm trying to think, uh, the class, you know, guy who cleans up after the elephants. As a young child, I feel like I had a small, I went to a small school, and so everybody was kind of, like, equally, like, friendly and messing around. There was no, like, one standout. Uh, then I moved when I was about 12, 13, and then I was much quieter, like, the opposite, just sort of, like, uh, I, I just wanted to... Uh, be unnoticed for a while, except at my summer camp, that was where I was sort of able to come out of my shell a little bit 
and socially blossom along with other kids who were, I think, having a similar experience. And there, I feel like that was where I first started maybe being like funny with friends. I remember when I started doing comedy, like a buddy of mine in college, I was in college, and my buddy said, why are you doing comedy? We're all funny. And uh, I remember thinking like, well, you know, we could all do comedy. I don't feel like if we're all funny, why should nobody do comedy? And then several years later, he was like, oh, okay, you are funny now. So I don't know if he meant that only we were funny, exclusive of me. So short answer, uh, too late, no, I don't think I was the class clown. <laughs> Okay. Were there any comedians that inspired you when you were growing up or before you got into stand-up? You know, I didn't even know that stand-up was really a thing. I knew that famous people were comedians. You know, I, I knew that Seinfeld was. I knew that uh, the folks on Saturday Night Live, like some of them did stand-up. And the, the very first comedian I ever saw that I loved, I saw an hour comedy special by Paul Reiser, you know, from Mad About You and such. And... I loved it. And then I bought his book, Couplehood. And I, even though I was like 12, 13, 14, through my teenage years, like he was talking all about like marriage and uh, a lifelong monogamous relationship with his, and the, like the trials and tribulations of uh, living with a person, uh, a romantic partner. And I'd never had a romantic partner for, for most of the time that I was listening to him and loving him. Uh, so I wouldn't say that he inspired or influenced me, but I, that was the first comedian I loved. And then... When I was in college at Brandeis in Massachusetts, a comedian, a local Boston comedian at the time uh, named DJ Hazard came and performed live at our coffee shop on campus. And he was incredible. Like it was I'd never even I never knew that a comedian could write jokes that I like resonated with on a level like he I was crying for 45 minutes. He also he did some musical comedy, which is kind of what I was striving to do at the time as well so that was inspiring to see somebody doing like oh talking funny and also playing funny songs like you know i i guess i grew up kind of sheltered from how much stand-up and uh like what what kind of funny stuff was out there but uh those were those were my initial formative comedic experiences then i got into mitch hedberg was one of my first favorites when i started getting into more comedians and uh, i i I wouldn't like, I mean, we're all influenced by everyone and everything, you know, whether it's other comedians or musicians or our family or our culture, like we can't, you know, we are made of our environment and our genetics. But yeah, I would say those are, those are the com the first three at least comedians who I loved and was inspired by the most. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned Mitch Hedberg. You actually portrayed him in a, was it a movie or a TV show? Uh, Great, great question. Yes, it was. It's hard to say what things are these days because there's so many different size screens and like sometimes a movie comes out on Netflix and in the theaters or only Netflix or only and you can watch your your YouTube on your YouTube. You can watch your tube on, you know, a big screen TV or whatever. But this was a live show initially that then was recorded and released called Stick or Treat where for years, I, they had maybe at least 10 years in New York, and then it sort of spread to other cities. Every Halloween, comedians would dress up as other comedians and then do impressions of those comedians, usually famous comedians, well-known, recognizable comedians. Sometimes just do their act, but eventually it came to be that you would write jokes 
in their voice, you know, in the spirit of. So the year that we recorded this sticker treat special for what was then uh, a web-based comedy uh, production area. I don't even know what it was. A channel, uh, a platform, a platform called CISO existed, and they they produced, aired, streamed the sticker treat special that I played Mitch Hedberg in. So I wrote a bunch of Mitch Hedberg jokes. I dressed up as Mitch Hedberg and, uh, and I told those jokes and then they could be seen and I don't know if they can anymore, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a real fun experience cause I did, I loved inhabiting Mitch. Could you do a little bit of it? Would you mind? Oh, I, uh, I, I don't mind. It's funny, like, you know, the the classic, like, thing that a comedian gets asked usually, you know, like, you meet a, oh, you're a comedian, tell me a joke, and normally be like, oh, it's not exactly the right, right venue, like, normally there's an audience, like, today, there's no normal, there's no audience, and this isn't even, they are jokes that I wrote, but, uh, here, here's one that I wrote, it was like, uh, you know, uh, at the end of your set, they give you the light, so at the beginning of your set, they should give you the dark, and uh, let's see. Uh, my favorite part of ice cream is the cream. <laughs> if somebody's like, "Hey, you want some ice?" No, thank you. Let me finish. Cream. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- those are a couple things like that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And it's funny because your style of delivery is so opposite Mitch Hedberg's. He was very laid back and. T- you have such a unique delivery when you do your shows. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I guess when I started, I was probably closer to what he was doing That in that I was writing more just one-liners that sort of stood on their own by themselves, and uh, they would either work or they wouldn't. And then I'd try another one and then another one, and probably... Uh, through fear of silence, you know, I I got faster and the jokes uh, connected more. Uh, you know, there, there was a lot going on and I'm not afraid of silence, but I do like continuing to talk. So uh, at this point, it what might have once begun from, uh, you know, the silence of an audience not laughing being desirable to avoid has, you know, evolved uh, and headed me along the trajectory towards the uh, not stopping talking method of delivering comedy that is uh, what I do today. <laughs> you know, if, for those of you rebels who are listening and if you've never heard Mike, he's got a special called Small Dork and Handsome that was on, it's on Amazon now, and I know it was on Netflix a while back, and you can kind of get a feel for the, his style of delivery. And a lot of stand-ups, it's the big setup and then the punchline. But yours is like a bit of a setup, a story, a joke, a little more story, another joke, cross-reference, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I especially like cross-reference surprise. That surprised me. Earlier on, uh, I would have jokes that were just a setup and a punchline. And then sometimes, you know, maybe the punchline didn't work as well. So I'd you know, write another punchline just in case. And then all the the setup and the punchline would be the setup for the new punchline. And then just kind of keep adding, adding as much fun to it as I could. Like if the, okay, once the setup and punchline worked, why not make the setup funnier if you can? 
And so some of it would be written in advance and some of it would be sort of discovered on stage through riffing in the moment and be like, oh, well, now now it goes like this. So every, you know, every joke can have as much as much fun in it as possible, while hopefully not tangenting too far from the initial point or if so doing eventually coming all the way back around or uh, like I. I also do, I do like closing parentheses. It's uh, a desire of mine that like certainly in in the shows that I've recorded, like in the new album, a.k.a. like there are some there are some jokes that start and don't finish until much later in the set. But I do like to assure everyone that I will finish everything that I've started unless I forget and then I might not. <laughs> OK. Talk a little bit about uh, AKA. I know you did it at a Scottish festival two years ago. I did. So I, I, I recorded my last album in two, 2016. Right after that, so sometimes mid-2016, I started working on the material that would become uh, the show that I brought to Edinburgh, which then became this, uh, this hour of comedy that when I brought it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland in 2018, uh, the hour was called All Killing Aside. And uh, the album is called AKA, which that is AKA is short for All Killing Aside. And we decided not to call it All Killing Aside for a couple reasons. I guess one main reason that the times that we're in right now when the album is being released are full of uncertainty and some certain uh, challenges uh, that a lot of people are facing. And who knows for how much longer and like what the quality and quantity of these challenges will remain and continue. So the idea of releasing an album that was called All Killing Aside in a time where there is suffering uh, and sincere, uh, like, you know, people people are dying and uh, and it seems like that is going to continue. So we weren't going to, we didn't want to be like, you know, kind of a tone deaf, like, well, so All Killing Aside, though, like, you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? And so I talked about it with my producer. I talked about it with my mother. I was like, Mom, what do you think about the name All Killing Aside? And she was like, oh, I wouldn't have killing in the title if you could avoid it. How about All Kidding Aside? And I was like, that uh, is an idea, which I'll consider. So we decided to call it AKA for these reasons. Number one, uh, I didn't even think of this, that, you know, Mike Kaplan, spelled the way I do, is a kind of AKA for Michael Kaplan. Michael Adam Kaplan is my given name. And uh, it's also that AKA itself is an AKA of All Killing Aside, which is a nice layered nesting thing that sort of mimics or mirrors some of the content and structure of the album. Uh, All Killing Aside, All Kidding Aside for my mom. AKA is, of course, also short for Also Known As, which is what the new album title AKA is. It is an AKA of the original. And uh, a friend of mine told me, they were like, I like that the comedy, they listened to the album, they said, I like that it's so hilarious and layered so i i now call it hilarious where i've layered the word layer into hilarious the same way sort of the k is in the middle of the a's as a a palindrome and the show is itself a kind of conceptual palindrome and i'm almost to the end of this uh question where you've essentially been able to ask me anything so this is uh what i would call uh michael adam kaplan's uh, all killing aside ask me anything or an aka m-a-k-a-m-a uh which i hope is a-okay about the album coming out on may 8th so i appreciate your asking i like it <laughs> and i guess you didn't want your fans to think that you were releasing a gangster rap album either 
Oh no, I do understand. It's uh, the I know it's a good day when Ice Cube doesn't have to use his AK, and May eighth will be a good day when everyone can use your AKA. So I appreciate that. <laughs> A Scottish audience, is it very different from an American audience? Because I know the Brits, usually when you see comedy specials that are taped there, the the audience reaction is a lot different from like in a U.S. crowd. Uh, that's a good question. I would say uh, when I was performing at this festival in Scotland, I mean, it's it's one of the, if not the biggest uh, festivals of its kind in the world, not just comedy, but theater and magic and music and dance. And it's just uh, maybe the largest performing arts festival in the world. And so for the month of August, every year, except for this one, it's been uh, canceled. Every year thus far, I feel like there are thousands of shows and probably then uh, I mean, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I don't know how many people come through Edinburgh, but people come from all over the world. They come from all over the UK. They come from America. They come from the rest of Europe. Uh, they come from. So it's not just Scottish audiences that are there, uh, but certainly there are a good number of Scottish people as well as, you know, uh, other folks from the rest of the UK and uh Australia, the rest of, you know, a lot of English speaking people and a lot of some, sometimes non-English speaking. So I can't I can't speak specifically to I don't know that I've ever performed for a purely Scottish audience, but I did I did go to London before I brought the show to Scotland and uh, a few people like who I was working with watched the show and they let me know about specific references that wouldn't make sense to people there if it was like referenced to TV, even the TV show Jeopardy that is so beloved in America. They were like in the UK, they don't have the show Jeopardy. So they might have seen, they were like, you know, who would, who would know it is people here who have seen the movie white men can't jump because somebody's on Jeopardy in that movie. So they would know it if they're like old enough to have seen that movie. Uh, or maybe if they watch celebrity Jeopardy on SNL, but so I was like, okay, so just know that. And like, I talked about the, the show family feud, and they're like, oh, we have that here, but they call it Family Fortune, I believe. And just different, they call the game Clue, Cluedo. There's just weird, different aspect. Instead of, uh, there was one thing that became a joke on the album uh, about, what is it, the game Telephone. You know, you say something to a friend, they say you keep passing it along, and then it changes. Like, they don't call it Telephone. They call it, in the UK, Chinese Whispers. And I, I was like, oh, maybe they should not do that. The other than those like little things like, you know, the different can you we can understand people who speak with a British accent or a Scottish accent if they're speaking English and you speak English uh, other than, you know, they might use some slightly different words like uh, lorry for truck or lift for elevator or flat for apartment. And so other than that, I feel like performing for an audience internationally in that way is almost ex it's very similar to communicating with somebody from another country where you speak not the exact same dialect of the of that language so i did ex i did what i do you know keeping in mind that certain references uh might need more explanation or might need some substitution. But by and large, like 90 something percent of what I was doing, I did as I do, as I do in America. And a lot of people have told me that uh, they're like, I think you would do maybe even better in the UK. Like your style of comedy would resonate. And uh, I found that I, I, I had a great time performing for the people there. And at least the people who told me how they felt, felt the same. 
Now, you've, you've been a touring comedian for quite some time. Do you have a, a most memorable gig and a least memorable gig, that one that you'd rather forget? <laughs> it's uh, it's funny to phrase it as the least memorable gig, because certainly the least memorable one, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but the one that I wish would be the least memorable one, that certainly... I've, I've had so many memorable ones. I, I guess the most memorable one that I think about that I, you know, I don't wish that I don't remember it, but at the time wasn't fun let's say is i i opened for casey and the sunshine band uh probably sometime over 10 years ago and i've been doing comedy for maybe five years six years four somewhere in you know i was i had 15 minutes of comedy that i thought was good and i you know i i stand by it i'm performing this is performing in front of the fans of a band who don't even no, there is a comedian or want a comedian like they just want the band to come out. It was outdoors, like on a rotating stage under a tent while it was still light out at 7 p.m. Like I go on at seven. Uh, I get off stage or like do 25 to 30 minutes. So I get off by 730. The band doesn't come on till eight. So there's like an intermission. I'm opening for the intermission. Then the intermission's opening for the band. I think the only reason I'm a comedian who's there, like they don't need an opening act at all, but they wanted one. And just the stage was so small their stuff was all over it they needed somebody who could just stand still they couldn't have another band because all the drums and all the equipment was there so there's like just have a guy somebody small i think i got hired because i was like uh just the smallest comedian that they knew about during my set like very people were still kind of coming in the people who were there because the stage was rotating i'd start a joke aimed at one person and then i'd rotate aside and then i'd end the joke to people who weren't listening at the beginning and a little girl gave me a thumbs down which is like a harsh heckle but at least a silent one which was nice other people i feel like were now i I've told this story a few times, so I don't know if they were actually yelling, get down tonight, but that was the message that they wanted me to get down off the stage and or have their band come and play get down tonight. And so throughout this 25 to 30 minutes at about, I'd say the 23 minute mark, I, I gave them a, I was like, I'll offer you a deal. I will, uh, I'm, I'm here contractually obligated to perform for 25 to 30 minutes and it's almost 25 minutes. So if you, uh, for the last several minutes, if you settle down and don't yell things out anymore, if you just let me do my comedy for the next few minutes, then I'll be gone, which is what you want. I'll be gone sooner. But if you don't settle, if you don't stop, if you don't stop yelling at me, then I'll stay for the full 30 minutes. And I thought that was a nice deal to offer them and they did not accept it. So I I think I did about 29 minutes and, you know, I think I got $400 for it at the time, which if you had told me, hey, would you like to get uh, into a Casey and the Sunshine Band concert for free and be yelled at by strangers for uh, 25 to 30 minutes for 400 bucks? I'm like, 400 bucks for 25 to 30 minutes of, you know, they're not hurting me. And in some ways, they've given me this rich experience to remember forever, even if I didn't want to. So uh, I don't regret it. I'm grateful for it. So that's what I would say. I guess in some ways, maybe that is the most memorable and uh, the one that I wish was the least. But uh, of course, the opportunities that I've had to perform on Conan's shows, on Letterman, uh, on all the late night shows that I did, you know, people who I, I saw like when I was growing up and be like, oh, my God, like this is the one of one of the dreams of getting into comedy. Like, I mean, I. I now I love comedy just to get to do comedy like doing comedy is 
one of my favorite things to do for its own sake. And then to get to do comedy on the show of a, of a comedy hero. Uh, I've opened for some of my, my favorite comedians at like Carnegie hall. I've opened for like, it's, it's, I've opened for Maria Bamford and Patton Oswalt. And I like have met so many like uh, emo Phillips. And I, I met Mitch Hedberg. I, I opened for Stephen Wright once. Like these are all, if, if I, I could keep going and they, like, there's so I've been doing comedy for 18 ish years and there've been so many wonderful, memorable experiences that I I don't want to I don't want to take up all your time uh, tooting my own experience horn. But uh, but thank you for asking. It's it's fun to remember those things. And also this one. This is a very memorable experience right now, Jim. <laughs> thank you very much, Mike. Why don't you talk a little bit about your podcast, Broccoli and Ice Cream? Sure. So I've been doing it for about two years now. I release at least approximately one episode a week, sometimes more like four or five a month. Usually my guests are comedians often. But uh, this past week I had on the borough president of Brooklyn that whose office reached out to me. And uh, in this quarantine time, we did uh, like a Zoom call and did a podcast. And he was a, a fascinating man. He he had just a, a an amazing life story. So I, I like to talk to, I mean, anyone who I'm a, a fan of or uh, a fan of what they do, an artist, a musician, uh, a friend, uh, an activist, uh, a scientist, an author. So I've had uh, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different types of people on. And uh, I call it broccoli and ice cream because I talk to people about the work of their life as represented by broccoli and the joys of their life as represented by ice cream. So I we have one conversation that's usually focused on like, you know, how do you spend your time? What does your life include that like brings hopefully like meaning, like whether it's what you do for a living or whether it's, you know, some people talk about the work that they do on themselves in therapy. Some people talk about like specifically jobs they've had. Some people talk about their creative process. It's, you know, like this sort of a, a conversation that goes wherever it goes individually for each person. Each each conversation is its own kind of unique, not just one snowflake, but interaction of two snowflakes. And then I release a separate episode uh, that is often the ice cream portion of things, the joy portion of things where I ask people about when they're not working, how do they spend their time that brings them peace or calm or joy? Often I talk, they'll ask me what I do and I talk about, I don't know, I meditate, I play music, I record music i uh i read i walk i you know engage with my girlfriend or good friends i i like writing you know whether it's comedy music or just messages to friends like talking to my family my beloved you know chosen and or uh like logical or biological family and uh so yeah one episode comes out each week for free and then one episode uh half of the conversation is available on patreon for people who have anything extra they'd like to contribute, especially in these times. I'm grateful for the people who, you know, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, I'm happy for people to have what they need and then help others have what they need. And then also on top of that. So it's like, the, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you get your own basic needs met, help other people get their basic needs met, and then uh, join my Patreon and listen to my podcast. That's all I ask. I listen to a lot of podcasts and the podcast hosted by comedians, you seem to fall right into it very naturally. I mean, the conversation part is easy for you, but it's, is it weird because there's no audience there and it's just really just a conversation? 
Great question. You know, especially in these times, uh, we're recording this while sheltered in place and there are no live audiences anywhere, but there are comedy shows happening over Zoom, over Google Hangouts and all these different sort of programs and functions. And sometimes you get to be able to hear the audience if like uh, if their mics are unmuted. But sometimes that could lead to just like cacophony because everyone is equally potentially loud. So sometimes you don't hear the audience and it is compared to live performing comedy, like talking just to, you know, into the ether, into the void without getting the response back that you are accustomed to in your comedy. It ends up these shows sometimes are more like performance art piece, stream of consciousness, like podcasts, essentially. And so I would say now podcasts have been a good uh, practice for doing comedy in the age of the coronavirus. But to answer your question more directly, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I could have done initially but uh what what fun would that have been more for some and less for others performing isn't all that i do and it's a podcast is uh, certainly it is entertainment in some ways it is you know to be consumed in a way uh to be viewed or listened to at least of course uh but it isn't a performance the way that like comedy stand-up comedy performing is often it can be thought of as a dialogue where the comedian says something and the audience says laughter and then that goes back and forth whether or not there might be crowd work or potential interactions with actual audience speaking uh sentences words communicating other than laughter a podcast is as as you know as we're having here i mean sometimes it's an interview sometimes it's more of a a back and forth conversation where both people are like like any like a conversation in real life like i mean i get on the phone with my friend uh my best friend zach uh, Zach Sherwin is a comedian, a rapper, a creator of The Crossword Show, a fantastic live show experience that uh, I, when live shows come back, I recommend checking out as soon as possible if you are where it is. But Zach and I talk almost every day. When we talk, we have like, you know, sort of uh, some tropes of our conversation, uh, of our structure of communicating is like we want each other to uh, share whatever is new or pressing or challenging or exciting, like whether it's personal or professional or emotional or spiritual. Sometimes if one of us has need, we'll talk the whole time sometime, and the other person will just graciously listen. Sometimes if we're both like, hey, things are well, we'll, we'll go kind of back and forth like, oh, here's a fun new thing. Here's a fun new thing. Here's a meaningful thing. Here's a meaningful thing. Like not like a literal tit for tat. We don't have like a chess clock going, but there's sort of a metaphorical chess clock going. I can't speak for all comedians but for myself i i love communicating with my friends i love so if it's a friend that i have as a guest like then there's all kinds of things that i i feel good about talking about and i can i'm always happy to ask more questions or be like what about this or explore that more and they if they're comfortable with me then they'll feel the same if it's a new person like if you were my guest on my podcast i would ask you about your life and i would have lots of there's there's so much like we've all lived you know if you're an adult you've lived for a long time you've had a lot of experiences an hour-long podcast could cover literally one whole be like what did you do this hour yesterday what did you do or it could be what did you do your whole childhood or what did it do during college or during high school or during these years or when you worked at this job and so there's all these possibilities but to get to your question directly which i haven't yet the, the maybe there are people who if they're like this is a comedy podcast then perhaps they feel they treat it the same way as they would a comedy performance a stand-up show but for me, I, I wouldn't I'm a comedian and I have a podcast and 
if I had to categorize the podcast, uh, which sometimes maybe iTunes makes you like, maybe I would say that uh, comedy is one of the categories, but I don't feel like because it's not a performance, because it's not stand up comedy, I, I see it as a separate thing. And so I don't think that the conversation must have laughs every so often or at all. I, like my my metric for whether a, a podcast is successful is whether we're having, you know, a genuine connection, whether we're sharing things that are of interest to me, to the guest, to to somebody that I think then would also uh, be of interest to the listeners, like the things that I'm interested in. If somebody's listening to my podcast, either either they love all the guests that I've had and you know could take or leave me or they like me and the questions I ask and the conversations I have and they trust that the guests that I have uh, are people that they'll enjoy listening to me talk to. So so no, I would say I it's it's not it's not weird because most conversations that I have don't have a laugh track or an audience responding. And uh, yeah, so there's there's no no specific pressure other than when the few I've done a few times live podcasts. And then when you're doing the podcast in front of an audience, then it becomes kind of a weird morphing between a lot, you know, a stand up show or a comedy show, a live performance and the conversation that I would normally have with people where I might, I might feel more like, Oh, there, there hasn't been a laugh in a while. Is that okay for this audience? Does this audience think there are supposed to be laughs? Like if it were a stand up show, which even then, like, you know, George Carlin, the most influential comedian, according to many, some of his comedy, there's long stretches in between, uh, like, like sort of there's poetry and until, you know, a crescendo and a punchline where he could just be going off on a political rant, a finely tuned, finely honed, well thought out, beautifully crafted, poetic, political rant, but not every not everything that he said was comedic, even though it was part of his act, part of his comedy. Like Lenny Bruce has said, I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. And that means that he's not always a comedian and he's not only a comedian. Sometimes he's more than a comedian or perhaps sometimes he's other than a comedian. Sometimes he's a human. He's always himself. So that's that's the common thread I would say between when I'm doing stand up, I'm being myself as a stand up. When I'm doing my podcast, I'm being myself, less less of a performance and more of uh just a conversation. Apart from people getting your new album aka out May 8th. Yes. Say it again. Out May 8th people. <laughs> and also uh available for pre-order now if it's before May 8th so uh just uh, if just to get that I appreciate your extra plugging and uh and the opportunity for me to say that yeah you can you can start listening now cuz some tracks are available pre if you pre-order it you'll get I think one track immediately and or one track for every week up until the album comes out which is pretty soon. They could also subscribe to Broccoli and Ice Cream. They can. And is there any way they can reach you or see what you're up to? You have a website oh, yeah. as well, right? Yes. Uh, so Mike Kaplan, spelled the way that I spell it, M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N. I have MikeKaplan.com, and then all of my social media is just at Mike Kaplan, spelled that way on you know uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I generally am pretty responsive to if you comment or uh, send me a message. Uh, my email is on my website as well, and it's just... Uh, Mike Kaplan at Gmail. And uh, I'm I'm happy to, if I have time to write back to people, uh, which I often do, depending on uh, on how the day is, how the week is, uh, especially like if people say nice things, then I will certainly endeavor to write you back. In the past, I on Facebook, like before I really got enough responses that it, it was 
a little more exhausting to uh, make sure that I wrote back to everyone who said anything. Certainly, if you if you leave a nice and or thoughtful comment, I will do my best to like it and respond I, I, because I am very grateful for all the people who who engage with my with my comedy, with my podcast, with my social media. Like I wouldn't be able to be be a comedian and have the the career, the life and do the thing that I love the way that I'm doing it without people enjoying it, engaging it, uh, buying it, streaming it. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm always grateful to let people know if they, if you like it, I thank you. And I'll thank you personally. If you send me a message, most likely definitely have to follow this guy on Twitter because I've read a lot of his tweets and they're hilarious. They're definitely something that'll brighten your day and make you laugh and make you think again. His new album is called AKA officially out May 8th, but you can get other little snippets early His podcast, Broccoli and Ice Cream. His name, Mike Kaplan. Mike, thank you so much for coming on down to the Sherpa Screening Room. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, Rebels. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the Sherpa Screening Room. And a special extra thanks to Mike Kaplan for coming on down and giving me an interview. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. You can follow this show on your favorite podcast app or my website, SherpaLution.com, where all of the episodes are there, all three seasons so far. And you can follow me on social media at Show Pollution as well at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And speaking of someone with an AKA, he's the Aussie who's not too bossy. He's the guy who'll be showing you the door. Mr. Bruce, if you don't mind. Thank you so much, sir. Bye. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapalition! Viva la Chapalition! <coughs> oh. Yell, come back now, you hear?